want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been following at History of Eleskia on Instagram. And for those who watched me talk to the distinguished Hepcat Greg Norvis last month. Before I introduce my guests, I really want to say thank you to the producer, Eric Kohler, a friend for many, many his idea and I fell for it and I'm having a fantastic time. My guest for tonight's show is Nina Cole. Nina is a musician, record selector, fitness instructor, cultural studies scholar and whose work focuses on music scene, subculture and vintage style. Help me welcome warmly a woman of extreme learning, Nina Cole. How are you Nina? Hi, I'm good, Junior. How are you? <laughs> Behind myself with joy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. And uh, I think we spoke off here. You're in Northern California at the moment. Yes, yes. Mm. So I'm from Los Angeles, but currently living in Davis, California. Mm. So where were you born and raised? My first question. All right. I, was, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know all of them tonight, I guarantee you. <laughs> I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. The entertainment capital of the world. Oh, yes. Yes. How about siblings? I have one brother, an older mm -hmm. brother. Older brother. Mm -hmm. And your parents? Um, I had, well, my dad was a musicologist, actually. And wow, you follow in his footsteps. It took me a while, but yes, yes. Music's always been in um, our household, grew up around it, and um, started playing the piano first when I was very young, my brother and I. Wow. But, um, was it competition, or your brother taught you? Um, well, my brother and I, we were in a band later. I had mm -hmm. lessons, um, we both had lessons, but um, piano didn't last too long. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so? At the time, it seemed like it was something forced upon us that we had to learn to play mm -hmm. an instrument, and we didn't get to pick which one we wanted to play. When I got into junior high and I could pick drums, that's when that started. And so you talk about your dad. How about your mom? My mom, so she was actually musical as well. She played the flute. Um, so my dad was an organist and musicologist, and my mom played the flute. My brother played the guitar. So we were a pretty musical family. Mm -hmm. Excellent. When were you actually baptized into skia, rock steady, and reggae? When the baptism came about? <laughs> so that happened... I'm sorry, I'm born, I'm born heard from Christian. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in the early 1990s. Mm -hmm. um and at the time ska was you know it was it was in circulating in los angeles pretty strongly um so my brother he had told me about you know ska music oh he, your brother was into ska too he he was aware of it he wasn't aware. necessarily mm -hmm. you know um into the scene but he knew he was older so he knew what was going on and he had told me you know hey you should listen to this i think you'd like it um I was already dressing in vintage clothing. I always liked that kind of um, vintage aesthetic. <laughs> so when I first heard ska music, I was it was through Two-Tone and local um, California bands. 
Only later did I learn um, through becoming involved in the scene and learning more about it that ska was from Jamaica, from the 1960s. No kidding. Is that where it started? You know, it's interesting when your no, perspective- ska started in Jamaica. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. We're <laughs> learning from you. See how we go along, we learn. <laughs> <laughs> I, before I would interrupt you, can you complete your thought? <laughs> so it's interesting how, you know, our local environment shapes our perceptions mm. or the things that we learn from people, what pieces are left out. So to know later that Ska was from Jamaica and, you know, the 1960s, and not have that very important piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. in that early, you know, introduction. Um, right. Now it seems like a big, a big thing that was left out. It was, um, but it all depends on how we're introduced to things, and then our journey from there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's deliberate to leave out the most important ingredient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's right. like who who controls the definition of things, and mm -hmm. how does it then circulate? So were you introduced to first wave, second wave, or third wave, or all three simultaneously? Because by the 90s, all three were in certain yeah. yeah, so it went, for me, it was second and third simultaneously. And then learning, you know, the bands like Hepcat were playing covers from Jamaican ska bands in the 1960s, then going back and learning about the first wave. Mm-hmm. Tell us about drumming. I know you were a drummer. Um, you played with a girls band, but let's focus first on drumming. How did you learn drumming and where did you learn drumming? And why did you learn drumming? So in junior high, we had to pick an elective. And my elective that I chose was band. I wanted to be in the school band. And I decided to play percussion. I had wanted to play drums and um, in school band, we didn't have drum set, but I learned the different percussion instruments. And then I began taking lessons on the side with um, a female drummer. She had started, she was in big band. She was in an all women big band um, in the 1940s. And one of the first women who was sponsored by Ludwig. <laughs> so I, I had a very good teacher, um, very inspiring teacher. Mm -hmm. So that was in the, I guess about 1992 was when I, I started learning um, drums and percussion. And my first band was with my brother. Um, he kicked me out of the band. <laughs> oh, that was cruel of him. I, and I, 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 I shouldn't even laugh. <laughs> I laugh but now. But I, I feel your pain. Yeah, I laugh it now. It must have been profound. <laughs> The person you would think would actually protect you and say, you know, improve on whatever weaknesses you may have had kicked you out. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so from there you became uh, the timekeeper or the drummer for the cover-ups. Yes, so mm -hmm. that happened um, several years later. Mm -hmm. I had gone through high school not playing in too many bands um, and towards the but end of high school. you still practicing? I was still practicing, yes, yes, still mm -hmm. practicing. And um, the cover-ups, so Chris Verso, the singer, and Minnie Curhan, the bassist, they were um, working together, and they had both wanted to start this band. So, you know, throughout the year, came time to finding a drummer. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
there we go, almost lost you. Um, then when it came time to finding a drummer, Minnie uh, knew that I played drums, so she reached out to me. Uh, and that was the genesis? Yes, yes. So the cover-up cover wasn't, the band wasn't, I guess, uh, how to say it now, they were in existence before you joined as a, as a drummer? They, um, parts of the band. So the band was oh. an idea, mm -hmm. yeah. There was, I think, mm -hmm. four members um, that were mm -hmm. already playing together. Chris and Stacy are vocalists. Minnie, the bassist, and Amanda on saxophone. You didn't leave out anyone because you want to give proper acknowledgement to all the members of the band. Oh, yeah. And then as we joined, we kept going. Mm -hmm. So Gina, Gina joined on guitar, and she was in an all-women band called The Shanties before that, an all-girl band. Um, and then we have Sarah Lundin, who played saxophone. And then we had Lauren Lapierre, who was on keyboards. And why all female, may I ask? Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting question. You notice, Mike, yeah, and my question is very straightforward. It is mm -hmm. not twisted or shifted. Yeah. It's not loaded. <laughs> so I think, you know, it was part, you know, the comfort and the support and, mm -hmm. um, you know, supporting other women playing music and showing you know that hey we can do this i see you many i see i see a man in the chat i see friends who are in the band um in our chat here but yeah so it's that idea of support of creating um of bringing a female energy to uh, the scene and it was it was a really a really memorable and important time in my life Right. And where are some of the memorable places or gigs that you played during the um, formation of the band, the life of the band? How long did the band stay around? So we were uh, around for about two years, not that long. Not um, that short either. That's what Scatalyze did. There you go. And, I know. Oh, oh, yes. And gave Bob Marley flight, Justin Hines flight. The list goes on and on. Two years is like a lifetime we have seen now from Scatalyze. You know, some... 500 recordings in two years. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, if you put it in that, that perspective, <laughs> okay. I'm impressed. Um, yeah, so we played a lot of Steady Beat shows. So, mm -hmm. um, Lewis, yeah, yeah, Lewis Correa. He put on so many excellent events. Um, mm -hmm. And we were lucky to be a part of many of those, including Club Rough and Tough that he did in Long Beach. Um, we played several shows at the Whiskey. We got to play with a local band, the Rhythm Doctors. Um, and they played like early reggae music, boss reggae. And um, we played Warped Tour. So that was our last show. And that was very memorable because it's, you know, this big kind of festival, something we hadn't done before. Um, so that was a a good way to to end you know that portion of the band but we mm. did have a reunion later on right so let's just go right to the reunion all right so you guys were away separated apart for a couple of years long time the gap, and then you guys yeah. reunited yeah so it was about 13 year hiatus <laughs> oh that's a long time mm. 
a long time. So people, I guess, suppose went off to become lawyers, doctors, got their degrees. Some got multiple degrees during that time. <laughs> yeah, people, you know, they had their lives. They lived their lives a lot. Still, continue to play music, um, and it just happened that it started circulating. We all met for dinner, and from that kind of germinated this idea. Maybe we should. Maybe we should have a reunion. Um, because over the years, people had asked, oh, what happened to the cover-ups? Will you play again? Um, so we decided to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And how long did reunion last for? It took us almost a year to kind of prepare and get back into the swing of things. Some you of us- You're a perfectionist, eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then our reunion shows, we only played three of them. Um, we did a, a backyard gig um, at our saxophone player's house and then uh, at Sarah's house, one of our saxophone players. And then we played a steady beat show um, with the Delirians, the Steady 45s, Jackie Mendez and the Hurricanes on Angel City Records. And that was at um, the Grand Star in Chinatown. Don't tell yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we played in San Francisco with Hepcat, which was mind blown. <laughs> yeah. You're filling the details when you say mind blown. The response, I suppose, all well, female. The, yeah. I mean, the response was good. And just this idea that, you know, um, to play with, you know, my idols. <laughs> I mean, Hepcat to me was a band when I first started going to shows. They were just, you know, they were Los Angeles ska to me, traditional ska. And um, to have the opportunity to play with them was really special. And it was, yeah, it was something I'll never forget. It was at Slim's, which unfortunately now, um, because of the pandemic, the venue had to close and was sold. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was incredible. And we played but with just sadly to us as fans, the um, fans, the cover-ups didn't remain together, in spite of those exposure. Because that's when you talk about exposure in California, playing with Epcat in the second largest city in California, San Francisco, it's hard to ask for more. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really it was really a special night, and it was at a transition time in my life that was challenging because I was leaving to start my uh, program up here in UC, UC Davis, I think like a week after that show. <laughs> so I moved <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, I neglected to ask what um, genre of music or style of music the cover-ups played. Yeah. So I didn't we... want to assume or for our listening audience to assume what genre. Was there a of focus? Course. So we played um, ska music and it was a combination. So it was upbeat like two-tone, but it had a lot of uh, the traditional style and members from the band, they came with their own, um, own exposures, own preferences. Mm. Uh, Chris Verso, our singer, she was in a two-tone band before this and very involved in um, the mod ska scene and the um, in Los Angeles and the scooter scene. So she brought that sound and then Minnie and I and some of the members, we had the traditional sound and um, mm -hmm. we played some rock steady, early reggae styles as well. So um, yeah, Amanda and Sarah 
they were in a band called the legalizers which is more of a roots reggae kind of sound so mm -hmm. we all kind of brought this together um in our band yeah sorry you guys uh, disbanded so uh, um take us now to the rocksteady lounge uh you worked here for a significant number of years and if my memory is correct somewhere around 2009 until 2013 uh rocksteady lounge become became extremely famous worldwide world famous how did that happen it was um it was a surprise it, it built up i think so the rock city lounge chris gutmacher so rock city chris Don't and to chris yes and terry lee they started it in, terry. oh my gosh he's still doing it yes yes so they started in 2007 um and then in 2009 chris had um he went back to school as well. He opened a record shop. And so Terry Lee wanted to find um, new resident DJs. And he asked Victor Monso and myself if we would be interested in taking on the role. So um, we said yes immediately. <laughs> and it just, we were doing it every week at the time. So it was every Monday um and i think the profile just grew through the years or through the the months and we were lucky to get many international selectors i see terry terry's here <laughs> um but yeah so tommy far east from japan among had... other great celebs <laughs> yes yes and i remember his first time out there i mean it drew crowds you know people yeah. were so excited yeah. um but yeah, it just it became a, a known name for a vintage reggae night and rock city night in Los Angeles. It was, you know, and one yeah, of the places. Way beyond the borders of Los Angeles. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sadly for me, I played, uh, I was invited to play once and I was fired afterwards since I was never invited to come back <gasps> while you were there. Oh, my God. But, um, so, <laughs> I... No, I, I don't compromise when it comes to playing uh, top 10. And yeah. so I played Millie Small, Desmond, Decker, 007, and people didn't have much tolerance because that's <laughs> what I grew up listening to in Jamaica. And I thought it would be difficult, if not impossible, for me to come to LA and play obscure. That would never happen on my watch. So I stayed with the, I stayed with the top 10. Stay true to yourself. I, I yes. stayed with the top 10 song because, because uh, you know, Obscure is here's a time and a place for mm -hmm. Obscure, but where I'm concerned, the big songs, the big selection. So I did that 10 people, well, which is okay with me. No, <laughs> when we you, love when you, you. When you call me or when I'm invited to play, I come with heavy top 10 hits. I show <laughs> I the point like Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali. I come to knock you out. <laughs> Yeah, so I the see. response was kind of lukewarm. <laughs> no, we had some no. elitists in the area who were expecting obscure songs. Obscure. <laughs> I see Terry from, in the chat. Terry's from like, from no. JBC and RGR. <laughs> but no. I, I came back after, after you left. I was in that, invited back a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, stay true to yourself. And we loved having you there. We loved having you there. <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting, and I know we've mm -hmm. talked about this before too. Just that like desire for rarities in Los Angeles. So 
you know, that obscure record, the B-side that people didn't want to play or, you know, it didn't make the top 10. Um, so that, that kind of balance between like, okay, when do I play this really obscure thing? And is someone going to appreciate it versus, you know, the classic that people want to dance to? Um, and it's, it's a changing dynamic, you know, it's, it's very interesting here. Mm -hmm. So a uh, warrior selector prior to working at the Rocksteady Lounge, mm -hmm. were you a DJ around the oh, Los yeah. Angeles area before that? Yeah, so I had one residency before with um, Jason Lawless, who unfortunately we lost, um, you know, yeah. early this Way year. Way too young. Way too young. Way too young. Go. Yeah, it was so, too so young. heartbreaking. And where did you play? Had um, Ram Jam, and that was my first residency. Um, and it was also mm -hmm. a two tone Ted, Ted Morris. Um, and me and Ted, we go way back. Yeah, Ram Jam, yeah. I see Ted in the chat. <laughs> um, so that was the first one, but I've been DJing for about maybe a decade before that, just one-offs here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so I did the Blue Beat Lounge a few times and um, other nights around town. My friend did an all-women night called Mini Jupe, um, which means mini skirt in French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see all the what love. Again? Uh, mini Jupe. <laughs> so that was, that was just the name of the club or people just had, I mean, ladies had to dress in minute skirt. That was just the name of the club. <laughs> nice. And how was the turnout back then? Pardon? How was the turnout? Your attendance, uh, general attendance. Yeah. It, you know, it always, it fluctuated. Um, it fluctuated mm -hmm. at most venues. Um, it depends. Even at the Rock City Lounge, some weeks was packed. And then other weeks, you know, we'd get a few, few folks mm -hmm. in the door. Um, and Ram Jam, it was such a fun club, but it was in Santa Monica, which I think is a, a little bit hard for some folks to get out there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I know in addition to being a DJ, uh, you're, you've also taken a stand. I've seen you on social media talking about um, the, supporting the Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. What made you take such a stand? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think to be involved in a music that is from the African diaspora um, and to be involved in Jamaican culture, and yet we're here in Los Angeles um, or in America or wherever we are, these struggles are connected and the continued marginalization um, and also just police violence um, anti-blackness in our country, it needs to be addressed and spoken about. Um, and folks in the scene like Roger Rivas, Nancy Artiega, they started Reggae Against Racism as a way to really speak out about these things. Um, and, you know, it's not back to business as usual, even though it might not be in the headlines as much as it was. Um, you know, it's these kinds of issues permeate the very core of our society. So to be silent about these things is not an option. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I brought that up because I want to thank you for taking a stand against injustice and for speaking up. Yeah. It's... Remain silent. Mm -hmm. so, so you mentioned um, the African diaspora and African music and Jamaica in the last context. You have played in Jamaica or visited Jamaica. Tell us about that experience being in the epicenter where it all began, where so many people had dreamt about you have actually experienced, first-hand experience. I, I, so I'm going to assume that you didn't go as a tourist to go see Montego Bay and Negril. You went to Kingston where it all began some yes. half a century ago. Mm. <laughs> so I went to Kingston. It was actually for the Global Reggae Conference. So I presented um, a paper at the Global Reggae Conference at the University of the West Indies. But it happened during February. So every February in Jamaica is reggae month. And mm -hmm. it was just alive with music, with energy. Um, I got to see, I got to go to Orange Street. Um, there was an event at Perry Hensel's house. So it was his house, um, 10A, which he, um, so he, you know, directed The Harder They Come. Um, right. mm -hmm. Yeah. And that event had King Jammy, it had um, David Rodigan, they had um, Maxine Walters, all the dance hall signs she had collected, and it was just incredible. Um, and also there was a celebration remembering Bob Marley, which featured a lot of the Marleys. This was in Trenchtown, and Christopher Ellis played um, Noel Ellis, so Alton Ellis's sons, and it was just, um, there was music all around. So that whole, I think I was there 10 days. It was just, even if you're not at a dance, you hear music. Um, and to go there and present my first, you know, paper at a conference in Kingston was um, just really With so many dignitaries special. in the house. <laughs> yes, yes. All the, you know, the scholars I look up to and I got to um, travel there with Heather Augustin, too, who writes a mm -hmm. lot about um, Jamaican. Brilliant author. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was something special. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to travel around Kingston City to see some other places like Orange Street, as you mentioned before, did you? Get a chance to go by Studio One where it all began? Then now yes. and then Treadwell. Yes. So we went to Studio One and we got to go inside because Courtney Dodd was working at the time. And, you know, to be in that place where all this music was made, um, it just, it sent chills through my spine. It's, you know, like walking into a historical monument and yet it's still, still there, still putting out music and records. Um, so we got to go upstairs, flip through their stock, and, um, you know, they have nice murals painted on the inside of the walls. It was, it was something special. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yes, Treasure Isle, too. We didn't get to go in the studio, but they have basically like the Walk of Fame. So there's, you know, Phyllis Dillon has her star um, along the street there. And it was just a really, yeah, to see these buildings and um, the places where this music, this magic happened. It was really incredible. Mm -hmm. Did you get the chance to play music in Kingston while you were there? I did not, no. no. I didn't play music, but I listened mm -hmm. to plenty of music um, and I gave my talk. So 
next time something one of many reasons to go back <laughs> right you've in addition though you've also played music in tokyo mexico those i'm going strictly by memory yes yes mm -hmm. perhaps elsewhere since it's hard to keep up with you because you move so fast you hear there and everywhere <laughs> yeah so tell us about your uh spinning now um transitioning to um since we talk about your travels mexico japan take that wherever you want okay to. Spinning as a select because you went as selected you didn't go on a tour as a tourist to go sightseeing right i mean that may have happened too but you are invited primarily to select Invited primarily to select. So yes, yeah, uh, Mexico mm -hmm. City, that mm -hmm. was how many years ago now? Maybe five or six years ago. And it was just electric, the energy, I loved it. Um, people just danced and sang their hearts out. Um, and that event was at like a fairly small venue, but just the energy was incredible um, and yeah, it's like that rarities, you play their rarities and they sing along to everywhere. Yeah, you can come from Mexico with anywhere else when it yeah. comes to yeah, rock steady and other Jamaican music. Yeah, it's a league of its own. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. there are many. She went with me 2015, she says in the chat. So that was in 2015. <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere like Mexico. <laughs> so yeah, we played in um, with Ricardo. I played with Ricardo Embassy King um, mm -hmm. and also Arne, Little Boy Blue, who's from Germany. Um, and we both came for the event. His wife uh, is from Mexico City, and those are, it was and those are names I know. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a blast. Mm. Um, and we did plenty of tourist stuff while we were there too. <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. And then in Japan, it's interesting because I I first started traveling there for work actually. Um, my old job, it was uh, a project that was run by partly a Japanese company and then the um, an American company. So that's when I first started traveling there. And I would go digging through records, you know, and um, over the years, I, I met some of the people putting on events. Um, and then of course, later I met Tommy Far East and Misato Hanafusa from Osaka, who we did a night out here, Woman to Come LA. But, um, Japan, uh, I, I love it there. You know, there's record stores specifically for, you know, Jamaican 45s, like a reggae shop, you know, reggae ska, rock steady. I've, um, I've gone to a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> and, um, and the nights there, <clears throat> they go till 5 a.m. So it's like an, it's a serious all-nighter. <laughs> One thing that I didn't notice in Japan is that um, the record, the salesperson is also a historian. So they can tell you just about everything about every song in the record shop. They weren't just salesperson. They love the music with a passion. And additionally, they also know everything about the artists, everything about the label. They weren't just selling records for selling sake. Yeah. And that... I found that really amazing and impressive. Definitely. There's that like depth of engagement. It's not just, you know, you're, you're trying to make a buck. It's really, you know, being committed to the music and, um, and the, the products that are in your shop because it's, you know, much more than just a record. It's a piece of history. So. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to remind the listeners that I'm in, I'm Julia Francis and I'm presently in conversation 
with my guest. This is part two, Nina Cole. And um, Nina, and I said Cole, right? <laughs> <laughs> my apology. And they, are, they can find us at LA, History of LA Scare on Instagram. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's the only place that we're being broadcast now, right? Am I right? They can also find you uh, regularly, right? You're on um, regularly. Yes. So, we've, so we're on two platforms. On Instagram, um, two places we can be located now, right? I've only done this twice, so I think so, but I'm not an expert. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, so we are both at um, History of LA, on Instagram and also on Regadelic. Tell us about Regadelic. Regadelic. So that's just, that's my DJ name. Um, mm -hmm. I love the song. So Clancy Eccles and the Dynamites, Regadelic. But also I felt it captured some of my style. I love psychedelic fashion, um, 1960s, early 70s. But then also yeah. reggae. So that's, you know, reggaedelic. It seemed very fitting. Mm -hmm. So people can see us there because we have been publicizing it. I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. So is it a website or Facebook page, Instagram page? What is it? Where you know, exactly is it? I had, I had a website. I still own the URL, but I haven't updated it or, you know, so I need to do that. But for a while, it was a website. That's how it started out. So it was reggaedelic.com. Um, I post photos and blog posts, um, events happening around town. And from there, it just, you know, it was my DJ persona, my DJ name. And on Instagram, I'm reggaedelic. So that's my page. But it's a mixture of music, personal life, fitness, everything else fashion <laughs> my friend in mexico is correcting me it's regadelic regadelic yes yes suppose she is watching from regadelic <laughs> right so having reintroduced you uh i suppose we can move on now and thanks for clarifying because i wasn't clear as uh what regadelic is mm. but it's been growing i've seen it all over social media and more specifically on um, instagram a lot yeah, Instagram, I've, I've become, you know, I'm trying to become more, you know, uh, of a social media kind of person, post more yeah. things. <laughs> You've graduated from, from, from Facebook. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of graduation, um, you went up north to further your studies. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you obtained two. Um, degrees, masters, and PhD. So, I uh, for the benefit of myself and those who are not aware, bring in, fill us in with the details. Yeah. So, my masters I completed in Los Angeles at Cal State LA in geography. Mm. Um, I waited a few years to return to school, and I just completed my PhD in cultural studies at mm. UC Davis. Um, so. Cultural studies means many things, but it looks a lot at power dynamics, um, you know, how things become norms, the role of popular culture and shaping the way we see the world or the way we want to interact with the world. Um, 
So lots of lots of interesting things. But within that, I focused on music scenes and subcultures. Um, and of course, in particular, you know, um, Jamaican popular music and how that intersects with music scenes um, around the world, but primarily in Los Angeles. So since you became baptized in Rocksteady and Reggae, you haven't drifted. No. <laughs> you know, a Such lot loyalty. Of, I know. A lot of things in my life have changed, but that's the constant. <laughs> that's one constant. Yes. <laughs> Right. So, it, it, so now that you have obtained your PhD, I was meant to understand that you're publishing a book. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, that... so I, I got to know a few things. <laughs> the goal is, um, or the date mm -hmm. that I have a deadline for, December 2021. Mm -hmm. um, so it's based on the research I did for my dissertation, in, which included interviewing you. <laughs> No um, yeah, so interviewing people involved in the scene um, in various ways, and it looks at, you know, Los Angeles traditional ska scene, um, but from a, a larger kind of social perspective, um, social and emotional, so people's connections with the music, um, their feelings of nostalgia, and for a lot of folks, you know, being so into this earlier aesthetic, um, 1960s Jamaican music, and many people in LA scene might not have ever been to Jamaica. So, you know, looking at these connections and the history, so I call it a subcultural history. So mm -hmm. it'll be a subcultural history of LA, LA ska. <laughs> Wonderful. Now you wear so many hats. I want to congratulate you, congratulate you for your accomplishment and your achievement. It seems as if the sky's the limit. You just keep going and going and going and advancing. I really want to commend you because over the years I have I've been doing basically the same thing. While I want you to move on, okay, got my master. So what are you doing now? I'm going for my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. You're really and truly a trendsetter. Thank you so much. I, I bet your parents, uh, are they alive? Uh, my mom is, yeah. My yeah, mom I bet is. she's extremely proud of you. She is, yeah. And your brother too, who kicked you out of the band. Yes, yes, he is too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so what's the next, in addition to the book, what's your next project? I bet it's a project of titanic proportion. Your projects are all larger than life. There are a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I always take on a lot of things. So the book is one thing. Um, I'm taking an exam next week for personal training certification. So currently I'm a certified group exercise instructor. So mm -hmm. I, I have a few too many jobs that I do, um, but they intersect because now I started SCA Fitness, um, mm -hmm. but I'm hoping to become a personal trainer. So I, I take that exam next week. And so more SCA Fitness videos in the future. The girls we've been talking about maybe a cover-ups reunion again once um things settle down you know there's a lot going on in our world right now mm -hmm. um but that might be might be on the horizon at mm -hmm. some point so and, I, uh, i've seen it i've seen you dancing uh giving lessons uh on skia tell us yeah. about that 
So that started as a, a quarantine. And by the way, you have my full and undivided attention <laughs> every time I see your heart. <laughs> so that started as um, uh, a quarantine project because <laughs> I'm a fitness instructor and I obviously I love ska music and I'd always wanted to combine the two. So that idea of bringing joy, but then also joy and movement, ska music, it's dance music. You want to move. <laughs> Um, so you might not necessarily want to do lunges to it, but I'll show you if you want to do lunges to ska music, um, different ways to move indoors um, and bring those endorphins through good music, movements. Um, and I can't help but smile when I do it. You're sweating, but you're smiling. So that's how it started. Um, and I try to have a wide variety. So people who are just starting or might be interested in fitness, and then also people who have a little more experience with it. Mm -hmm. I just want to remind that our uh, watching audience, thanks. And we are presently in conversation with Nina. She wears many, many hats. She does everything and exceptionally well. Thank you. I want to, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, and I heard this from not so reliable source that you're, you have enough records to sink the Titanic anytime. <laughs> how, how, how do you I get all those record records? <laughs> um, persistence. <laughs> yes, I don't and know. Of, if I... And of course, disposable funds. <laughs> yeah. When I had a job, I had to cut myself off when I went back to school. I still work. Yeah. I mean, I have I have multiple jobs, but um, yes, I started at a time when records weren't as astronomically expensive as they are now. No, they're um, sky high, right? Sky it's, prices skyrocketed. Yes, I'm priced it's, out. I mean, gone way over the roof. Yeah, yeah. So I'm priced out of the market now. But- um, Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much good music. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it's like getting a piece of history. So, my very first international trip, I saved up my money from working at Marie Callender's, a restaurant for those of you who know. And I went to the UK, I think that was in 1999. Mm -hmm. um, but that was my first trip. And uh -huh. my trip was for uh -huh. records and- And where did you go? <laughs> um, I went to All London. Of, of course. Yeah. And what so was that experience like? It was exciting, so. Mm -hmm you know, my first trip and to be in a place where, you know, there was like records, there was subculture, there were gray skies, but you know, I, I had such a good time. Um, and to be in a different environment um, mm -hmm. and, you know, just following, following that scent of where can I find more records? <laughs> um, and London, at the time- London, back then London was the place. Yeah, I used yeah, to go there regularly myself, you know, pick up records. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of records that we didn't have in Jamaica are even heard in Jamaica. They were all over London. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. it was... It was a lot um, of, you know, producers who just take the songs to England and distribute them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, a treasure trove. And at the same time, I didn't know as much back then. So, you mm -hmm. know, I... So a I lot got, of good stuff weren't collected. Yes. <laughs> I probably passed up a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. 
And where about in where about in London did you stay? Or um, visited? I can't such, remember. You know, it's the largest city in Europe, it's so large. You can't yeah. remember it I don't remember where we stayed, but I do remember I went to Altone Records. So that was in Brixton. And it oh, was one of Brixton. Okay. Yeah. All right. One of Elton Ellis's sons owned that record shop. Um, mm -hmm. And that was my first time too. like, see, so you walk in the store and there's someone like selecting records live. Like he was playing records in the shop with the sound effects and I loved it. Um, and of course I went to Pecking's Studio One. Mm -hmm. I think that was in Ladbroke Grove. I can't remember. Um, but Pecking's of course is an iconic shop. Um, and, and record label as well, record label. Yes, yes, so much great music comes out on that label. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a really good experience. But mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the first trip for it, but mostly it was through mm -hmm. record lists. Um, and then when eBay got a little more established, but before sound clips and um, when you, you got some, you know, you had to gamble. If you knew the, the year and the producer and the artist, it would probably be a good record. Mm -hmm. You didn't get a chance to DJ in England? Not until later. Um, so later that I, I didn't did... know. I didn't know you played in England. I looked that up. Yeah. I so I... Said, oh, tell us about that experience. I got to play in England and in Bristol, uh, or London and in Bristol, sorry. And London, what was it called? It was called, I think, A Fistful of 45s. Yeah. And it was with Mark the Professor, who... I suggest following on Instagram for all his great music, but that was um, just a really cool night. And it was um, kind of an international meeting because Masa, who works at Drum and Bass in Japan, was there in London at that time too. So had people from Japan, people from London, my friend Ash from, um, oh, I'm not gonna remember the city he's from, but in England. And it was it was a good night. And Bristol too. Bristol was um that was a lot of fun. And that was with Steve Rice. He has his downbeat melody sound system. Um so yeah, good memories. And I've also DJed in as many is reminding me here, Hamburg, Germany. Um wow. and that was for the Kings and Queens Weekender. So wow. yeah, yeah. with yeah, England and Germany, I did not know about it. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Someone asked me to ask you online, uh, when is your book party? I'm, I'm upscotching. Book uh, party? Can they inspect your book? They can't wait to buy it. You have fans all over the world. Congratulations. <laughs> your hard work is really paying off. I kid you not. <laughs> uh, um, hopefully, well, it's supposed to come out December 2021. So uh, That'll be end of next year. Yes, end of next mm -hmm. year. And you so, have a publisher? I do have a publisher, yes. Mm -hmm. So publisher is set and um, all that remains is to write it, <laughs> but it'll, it'll happen and I'm excited. And yes, book party, I hope by that time that we can be out in the world a little bit more and um, you know, interact with people again. Mm -hmm. So considering that we're uh, on the lockdown, not by choice, I think this gives you a lot more time to write. So perhaps your book will be or should be finished before, considering how disciplined you are. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. yeah. So I, it it will it will happen. And the dissertation which I wrote to get my my doctorate, a lot of that will go into the book. So part of it is you know a lot of the work is done, um, but it's making it for uh, a broader audience. Mm -hmm.
Wonderful. And your publisher, are you at liberty to say who they are? I am. So I think I am. <laughs> it's called Intellect. Um, mm -hmm. It's an academic publisher, but an independent academic publisher. Mm -hmm. um, so stay tuned. Right. And so the book will be for colleges or just the average uh, college students or just... I hope to make it... Life, those of us who haven't had the opportunity to get to go to college. I'd like to have it broadly accessible. So it is an academic publisher. It will have, you know, some more critical aspects, some theory, but I also want it to be, you know, people who are in the scene to read it and, you know, have it widely, um, for it to be accessible, you know, to folks from all different, all different places and all different walks of life. Um, and hopefully anyone who's interested in, the L.A. ska scene will, you know, want to read it. Mm -hmm. uh, another question came in about the spin-off from groups from the um, cover-ups. Mm -hmm. Want to take us back? I suppose we, uh, someone answered question about the cover-ups and some of the spin-offs. Oh, spin-offs, yes. Are some of the, yes, are some of the musicians still playing? Yes, so, well, we had a band called uh, Tight Spot. That was the other spin-off that I was in. That was the early 2000s. Um, slightly different lineup. So that band had Nessa Rofredo on keys. She was in our cover-ups reunion. So she, mm -hmm. um, she joined the second era of the cover-ups. But um, so that, and then Steph. Steph was our bassist in that band. Um, but that was one of the spinoffs. We were mostly like early reggae sound. Um, and there was another all-girl band at the same time called the Twilights. Um, who I was not in, but they were another. Um, so LA has a lot of all-girl ska bands. You're not kidding. I had no idea I even heard about those bands prior. And you know, unfortunately, I've never seen you guys play. I think one night, uh, the reunion, uh, that show that was in Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I arrived late because I was at the radio station when I came you guys play. And that was, uh, that was so extremely sad, I, I, I tell you. That's the closest I came. Got, you got close. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's, not, that's not enough. See, perhaps there, uh, there's a need for a third re reunion. Or second, would be second, right? Second reunion. Yeah, second reunion. After reunion. the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. So all the band members are still around, right? And uh, I suppose that a drop of a dime, uh, let's rehearse and people are ready. I'm speculating now. Well, I hope so. We live in different cities, you know, we all, we all work and have, you know, different, different schedules, but I'd like mm. to think that we'd be able to make it work, um, you know, if we put the effort in. I see Gina says yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gina, okay. Uh, but so you're not, you have left Los Angeles permanently, right? You're just away on studies now. So yeah, right now my work is still here in Davis. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. working as an assistant editor to a journal about fashion, so fashion studies. Um, but my plan is to come home to LA because I love LA, I miss it. Um, and it's, you know, it's my home. So I hope to make it a reality soon. And your mother and brother are here. And not yes. to mention your zillions of friends. Yes, yes. So mm -hmm. <laughs> friends and family in LA, I'd love to come back. Mm -hmm. And what is it like where you stay now, Davis? You miss home? I do miss home, yes. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I do have a, or I did have a regular DJ night in Sacramento with my DJ partner, Anne um, Boogie A Go Go. So we were doing that. Um, but Davis itself, it's small. It's a, a small college town. Um, definitely not the vibrancy, you know, of Los Angeles and all the events going on. And, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's been good for studying and oh, I miss everyone too. So yeah, I hope, I hope I can come, um, return to Los Angeles. It's home. Mm -hmm. And what is it like there now in, in Davis? So it's, you know, it's on a lockdown, well, semi as a result of the pandemic as we are here. Yes. So we have a lot of the same restrictions, um, you know, masks, businesses are mostly closed except for, um, you know, the necessities. We have some outdoor dining and things, but it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, similar lockdown. Mm -hmm quarantine life. But um, I think Davis, it's interesting because it's a college town. So people come and go. And right now it's summer. So the students haven't come back yet. Um, so we'll see how, how it is in fall. I think some students will probably not return because everything's mm -hmm. online these days. So give, your, give me your vast knowledge of Jamaican music. Who are some of your favorite artists? Oh, so and many. We could, you could, we could start from Skiar, Rocksteady on through. Um, it's, so, it's so broad a question. That you, uh, you, and you notice know, it's plural, not one. Multiple. Yes. So yeah. Derek Harriet, for sure. I, I love... know, I know, I know. <laughs> <gasps> so his productions, his vocals, his, you know, everything. So Derek Harriet. Um, and yeah, so a lot of the things he produced to... Mm -hmm. So um, Keith and Tex, um, Chosen Few, I love all that. And Alton Ellis, you know, his voice is just incredible. Um, the gay lads, their harmonies. I just read B.B. Seaton's book, so 60 years of his life in the business. I definitely re recommend picking it up. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, he's, he's a Jamaican expatriate who now lives in England, if I'm not mistaken. He was the head honcho for the gay lads. Spot on. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, Phyllis Dillon, you know, and seeing her in Los Angeles, too, over the years. She hardly was... needs an introduction, Phyllis. Oh, my goodness. I <laughs> She's amazing. Um, every... Oh, my goodness. Like, I could go on and on forever. So Sound Dimension, um, who we got to see in Los Angeles, uh, which was incredible. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um so angel city records you know put that on yes um thanks to those guys yeah so all you know the the session musicians and the artists i love the heptones oh seeing leroy sibbles was just like tears you know he is such a consummate performer bassist vocalist um so i could go on and on melodians oh goodness <laughs> So much good music out there. And thank you for all you do, bringing artists, you and Eric both, bringing artists, um, having those foundation shows, doing your radio station, you know, radio show every week for years after you. How long have you been on the radio now? I know it's been, it's been a while. Uh, so um, in 87, I started uh, this in December when winter break at KSBC. Mm 
Wow. So there you go. Mm -hmm. It was like last year. (laughs) Never tired, never weary. I came to California to um, expose Jamaican music to people as if they weren't exposed already. That was the kind of ego I landed in California with. (laughs) And you've you've done it well all these years. Thank you for bringing this music. And yeah, I I mean... Introducing yeah, I, people. I, I thanks to the station too, you know, KSPC, Cake Till You, and I've been on uh, several other ones, but consistently now, KSPC, Cake Till You, and I'm presently doing a podcast on Radio Justice and still looking for more stations. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I mean, you keep this music, you know, flooded through Los I Angeles. I can't think of anything else to do with my life. I keep it from, from childhood. <laughs> yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else. Besides becoming a bank robber and take the money to help the poor and the less fortunate. And that was too risky. (laughs) (laughs) A noble cause, but risky. (laughs) So we are nearing our destination. Some parting words for you wonderful fans. You've been so innovative and creative, dynamic. You've given your whole life to this music as well, in a different way, of course. Uh, You know, listening, playing, producing, running the Rocksteady Lounge traveling to multiple countries, diverse places, playing the music, sharing the music. Wow. You're making me blush. <laughs> oh, that's the whole idea, though. But it's all, everything I say is factual, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. you know. But very without, nice. without giving any exaggeration, <laughs> I just stated facts. I just want to say thank you for everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for including me in the history of L.A. Ska. Well, you could easily have been the first. Oh, Greg Narvis. You, you could have been number one. Mm-hmm. I'm happily number we have Greg, but you could have been. <laughs> I'm happily number two. And Greg Narvis was great. And it's great that you're doing this and, you know, bringing the history of L.A. Scott to folks on Instagram and, you know, you know, the Grammy Museum, too, previously. And thanks for everyone tuned in. Um, you know, I enjoyed talking with you, Junior. And... I enjoyed reading the chat and trying to multitask. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not my strong point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's not my strong point. <laughs> I want to thank you. And I wish you continued success. And, you know, questions keep popping up. When is the book coming out? People just can't wait to purchase your book. I mean, really, again, I want to thank you abundantly, everlastingly. Keep up your good work. Thank you. You too, Junior. You know, keep keep on pushing that music. So, I'm I'm doing my best. You, your uh, best yes. is excellent. <laughs> thanks, thanks, and of course, um, I want to thank every caller. Uh, this oh, is yeah. his brainchild. I hadn't even thought of this. <laughs> this is his brainchild. Yeah. So, um, before you depart, uh, did you say your parting words? before I remind listeners who we're going to have on your parting words. Any parting words from you before they cut us off? My parting words. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, (laughs) friends near and far. Um, See Danielle from Peru, Vieja Esquina, all the bands in LA keep playing the music. We have so many incredible artists, Delirian, Steady 45s, Los Agrios, um, Mm -hmm. and Angel City Records, Steady Beat, Marv mm-hmm. Mack, all these people still putting on music, putting out music. Events will come back. 
Um, thank you again for having me. Thank you for tuning yes. in. Indeed. It's uh, a pleasure. Yes. Yeah, Soul Chance Bakersfield. There we yes. go. Yes. Nice. And as the clock ticks away, we're down to the last seconds. Next month, we will have um, from England. 